The Beer and Pretzel Podcast and Trash Talk Podcast are part of the Buttwide, though, and Podfix Networks. Check them out to hear more content from other great podcasters. Hello and welcome to the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. I'm your main host, Austin, and in this podcast we examine different indie role-playing games. Usually one-shots, but everything from the indie world of role-playing games. We play games on our show as actual plays, and we also do interviews with creators and also different reviews of the games that we play. I'm here with Luke, who is the creator of Pirate Borg, which is the Pretty much right now, it's, at least from what I've seen, it's the biggest Morkborg thing out right now, which is saying a lot because there's a ton of great Morkborg content out there. Luke, how are you doing, by the way? I'm great. I'm, I'm really good. Thanks for having me on. So how was uh, the first couple of days? Because it's been, what, like three or four days since the Kickstarter. So it's probably been a good couple of days, I assume. It's been, yeah, it's been totally insane. Uh, you know, my goal for the Kickstarter was $3,000, which is to like, cover printing and you know that that doesn't put me in the black so to speak but it's like okay i can get the book made and then worry about it later and i think we just hit like two thousand percent funding oh wow um so it's seventy thousand dollars or like almost two thousand backers it's it's kind of wild that's Um, incredible yeah Morkborg is such an amazing thing that's come out just for the game itself, but also lent in itself for so many creators out there to make really terrific work in the world of Morkborg, which kind of leads me into my first question, Luke, is got the chance to look at it and definitely people should be excited about it. But why in particular pirates? Why not Western Borg or uh, Samurai Borg? Talk to us about why pirates made sense for your vision. To the Western comment, I'd, I'd say I'm not doing that because Carl Drude is making a Frontier Scum. You guys could go check that out for sure. It's coming out, I don't know, next couple months. But to the pirate thing, I, man, I don't know. I've just always really, really been into pirates, like my whole life. I loved the Pirates of the Caribbean ride when I was a little kid. And then um, a little bit later, I was obsessed with The Secret of Monkey Island, which is this computer game by LucasArts where you're basically like a wannabe pirate traveling around on this spooky island. Uh, and then, you know, I played Sid, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, like pretty much every version, and I 100%ed Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I Just something about the world that's like, specifically that like kind of Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, you're in this tropical world and you're traveling around, you can go wherever you want, but like there's a creepy underbelly of like seedy taverns and undead. I just... I just love that world. Pirates, I'm very glad that you made this, especially for Morkborg, which is one of my favorite role-playing games, because Pirates, not only in uh, the world of role-playing games, but also for movies for me personally, is that action movies, uh, sci-fi movies, whatnot, uh, romantic comedies, whatever, there's a billion of them out there. But for especially for me, uh, dinosaur movies and um, pirate movies, there's very few. There's Jurassic Park and there's Pirates of the Caribbean, and that's pretty much it. There's a couple others, but there's nothing really big out there. And even worse for role-playing games, which is unfortunate for me because I love pirates. I love, like like you, love Pirates of the Caribbean. 
there's not a lot of pirate related role playing games out there or um, dinosaur related ones out there. There's Seven uh, C, I believe it's called, um, which mm-hmm. decent game, but has kind of some broken mechanics. Besides Morkborg, which obviously this is based around, did you study any other role playing games for this, or was it mostly just studying pirate culture and lore? Um, I mean, well, I, I I think I need to take a step back because um, one of the things that I've been doing for the past few years is running a Patreon making uh, battle maps for pretty much exclusively naval campaigns. Uh, I was running a like 5e pirate campaign and it was like heavily modified. You know, I had we level capped at six and, you know, short rests were uh a week or short rest for overnight and you had to be, you couldn't rest while you're at sea. So I had, I had kind of like found the OSR on my own, if you will. Um, but then when I started playing, we like took a break from that five E campaign that we were playing for a long time. And, and one of my players ran some Morkborg sessions for us. And I had, I had seen the book, but like we had so much fun playing Morkborg that I was like, dude, this is like exactly what I want in a role-playing game, and especially in a pirate game. Like it needs to be deadly so that you are afraid to make brash decisions. Like exactly. You brought up the seventh C, but like, that's a, a great system. If you want to be like that Colonel Earl Flynn, you are the hero of the story and you are invincible and which is fun. But I really like the idea that like the cannon comes in and like three of the PCs are dead. And now you have to pick up as three other PCs. So to your question, um, I have a lot of OSR influences, but when it comes to actual pirate games, like you're right, there aren't that many. Um, there is 50 Fathoms, which is a Savage Worlds uh, setting. There is the Pirates of the Spanish Main um, Savage Worlds book, uh, and that kind of got stemmed out of this really fun pocket model uh, punch-out ship game that I used to play, which ironically, we always called it a beer and pretzels game. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was like a really big influence on us. You know, you, you just punch these little ships out of these cards. You could get them at like CVS, but it kind of blew up and the lore in the game was really great. But then as far as other, I mean, like I don't, there aren't that many uh, pirate RPGs, you know, and the ones that are out are often very historically based or they're like a little too D and D based, you know, like if you're playing ghosts of salt marsh or something, it's very like, well, yeah, you're on a ship, but like you're, casters can get to level 15 and like basically set another ship on fire with one spell and like that doesn't really work you know so i i just kind of kept hacking away at that and turned my own little thing into uh a game um and morkborg is like the perfect infrastructure for it you know that's a fair point because dungeon dragons is pretty good for kind of taking what you want and it's accessible for pretty much everyone and kind of workshopping it to what you want. Um, I'm kind of running a game that's sort of like Mad Max, but there's a bunch of great systems out there that'll be better for Mad Max, but my players really only know Dungeons & Dragons. But like you said, what you're looking for is a game that players could die quite easily, just like actual pirates. And Morkborg is perfect for that, rather than Dungeon Dragons, where it's basically impossible to be killed in that game. Um, so Yeah, I mean, after a certain point, it gets to that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe the first, like, one to three levels is uh, pretty deadly. But then after that, after, like, level five or six, it's pretty much easy for the players. Well, and, and the approach is entirely different. I mean, when you're playing a 5e character, you put in a bunch of time to like build their backstory and you uh you know are, are worried about 
you know, for lack of a better description, your skill tree, like what subclass you're going to pick and people like metagame and, and you're doing a point buy often where you're actually like picking where your stats go. And like I just found in my experience in playing role playing games that the table is smiling and laughing more and it goes quicker when a lot of those decisions are made for you. Uh, you have a random character or a very quickly generated character with a terrible backstory. They're not some, you know, uh, scion from a distant land that's destined to like rule the realm. They're like, oh, you're missing a leg and you've got grog breath and you've got a really bad attitude. And uh, oh, and by the way, you rolled the like sorcerer spellcaster class, but you have a minus two to your spellcasting stat. So you're not very good at it. So like that actually, I think sparks more of a story in a campaign than when your heroes are building characters that really feel like heroes. Stepping away from Pirate Borg for a second, talk to us about your journey leading up to this game uh, in the world of role-playing games and just kind of developing your creative spark. Like kind of what led here, maybe Dungeons & Dragons or maybe other role-playing games, but what were the steps that eventually led to you going, hey, this is going to be something I want to develop? And I guess a quick alternate question, is this your first like major role-playing game release or have you released other things before? Yeah, I'll go for the first question, the second question first. This is my first game, if you will. Um, I've done a handful of adventures. Um, most, I think they're all 5e based, but I did an adventure last year called The Tomb of Chu and Khan, which is like a super Indiana Jones. I mean, it's basically like a bunch of Indiana Jones uh, temple movies smashing into one kind of. It could be a one shot or it could be, you know, a short campaign. Um, and like I love that process. I, I got to do I did all the art and all the maps and all the writing for it, which is a really fun experience. But as a, a Patreon creator, like I kind of pay my bills, if you will, on a, a per release cycle. And, you know, you need longer to put those things out. So I was just kind of finding this like desire to want to create a bigger thing. Um and when I kind of discovered Morkborg, you know, I mean, I had, I've always had this idea in the back of my head to make my own pirate RPG to really like capture that spirit. I want there to be lots of undead. I want there to be magic, but I don't want it to be wizards. I want it to be like you find an artifact in a temple and that thing has some magic power for it. Or you conduct some ritual like on the deck of the ship or hit deep in the jungle and that unlocks some crazy magic. So that's, I mean, I guess I just started whittling away with that on my home campaign and then started making little pieces of content for my patrons. And then before you know it, I was, oh, I'm going to do a zine. I'm going to do like a 30 page zine printed on Mixum on, you know, for pirate, for Morkborg because they got a great open license. Um, and that was a, I mean, it was a great journey, but what ended up happening was I remember I had a playtest version of, of Pirate Borg ready, and I played with a bunch of players on this elaborate, like, full-color uh, vampire ship map that I had drawn. And, like, the color and, like, s kind of simple, dirty illustrations that I had put in Pirate Borg, like, just didn't match with the, like, kind of old wood, high-detailed... Um, maps that I was making and I it like kind of felt like when you mix two kinds of cereals that like really shouldn't go together you know like I just it didn't go down well um 
so I just decided to read, kind of redo Pirate Borg, and I, I redid all the colors, and I went for this like more parchment paper thing. And and as much as I love Johan's style, I really just felt like I needed to do something that I was more used to or good at. So I kind of ended up with more of this like darkest dungeon comic booky style with pooling blacks, uh, and so it looks it's a lot less uncomfortable to look at look at, which is good or bad. It's a little bit more, I don't want to say like kitty, but it's like a lot more approachable. Um, but then you get the darkness from like the kinds of things that you're dealing with. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful Caribbean. You're sailing on the ocean, but you know, a tidal up, like a whirlpool opens up and like it, it spits out like a wave of a tidal wave of zombies. Like uh, that's just the kind of stuff I'm into. So creating within the world of Morkborg, I always would imagine that it would be like one of the most fun jobs to take Morkborg and kind of translate it to your own version. I'm very excited to see what Cyborg is going to be. And then, oh, of course, yeah. Pirateborg. Like, yeah, those great games would be great, especially that it's a little bit easier in that you're not creating a whole game from scratch. Like you have a blueprint, but you're just making your own version of it because you're trying to figure out roughly like six different classes. What are they going to be? But in your world, uh, you got to figure out how the powers work. You got to come up with like 10 or so monsters. So it's, I would assume it would be very fun to make this, especially that it's not the hardest thing in the world or doesn't, I guess, most time consuming in that you have a blueprint. Uh, what was the most fun aspect of creating this for you? Like, was it come up with the classes or the powers or the monsters? What was it? Man, what section of it that was I, I most mean, fun? Honestly, the whole thing has been great. Um, everything you said about adapting a Morkborg uh, system to your own thing is 100% true. And I, I like I really can't recommend it enough. Like if you have a game system that you like, like adapt it to your own thing. I mean, a lot of those creators support that, but especially like Pella and Johan, like they're like Pella contributed to this book. He's one of my stretch goals. Like he did a spread. It's like. He was so supportive of the project. Like, I can't recommend that enough. Um, but for me, like, the, it was, I don't know, it's almost like I feel like I'm a wizard in a little library. I mean, and I know they can, our listeners can't see, but I, my my office here is, like, pretty much a wizard library, you know? And I feel like I'm always cracking open these tomes to be like, man, okay, I, I really needed to, like, develop the, the skeletons. So, like, in Pirate Borg, there are seven skeletons. That basically represent like the different ranks of a crew you would find. They're they're sentient, they're powered by some undead force we don't know. But you know, I had to come up with mechanics for them. And you know, Morkborg has one skeleton. So I'm like, well, that's a good starting point. I want the grunt to be a little easier than that guy so that you can fight three or four of them without dying. But then I want like the guy who's like pulling the strings in the back to be like, he's almost like a lich. But you know, he's not a 5e lich, he's gotta be a Morkborg lich. You don't want a TPK for first level characters because they happen to run into a, a captain. So the monsters have been really fun. Um, I always start with the art on them first. I'm like, what does it look like? What's it feel like to see on the page? And then stat it out. And when it comes to statting, it's like, it's not just Morkborg or, or playtesting. Like I go to OSC or, or BX, if you will, to figure out like, well, what was the original vibe for this kind of creature? Then I'll go to Black Hack and be like, well, what's a more like stripped down streamlined version? You know, then I'll maybe I'll go look at 5e if I'm like need some inspiration for some more mechanical idea for it. You know, so that's that's really fun. Um, I think the classes were fun, but they almost wrote themselves. I basically took 
the 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 core BX classes or just core D and D classes and kind of adapted for how they would fit into the pirate world. So you've got a barbarian. He's called a brute. He's the big stupid guy. He can't really use magic. Hulk smash. You know that's his vibe. Um, then I've got the swashbuckler, which I guess the closest analog is the ranger, but they're better than rangers. They're like they're good at tracking and navigating on an island, making food, but they're like a whiz with a musket. They can shoot muskets faster, and all their abilities let them, you know, fire off from range. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of class. I could go through them all, but you'd be, be here for a while. So that was really fun to kind of look at the old classics and figure out what what's a wizard do in Pirate Borg, you know. Um, but then I, I think the thing I probably had the most fun with was the magic system. So in, in, for those who aren't familiar, in Morkborg, magic is scrolls. You, there's no spellcasters in the game. You find these scrolls, and you use basically your intelligence stat, which is called presence, to, to try to read them. And if you read them, they happen. And if you don't, too bad. Uh, you get confused and hurt yourself. And if you really fail, if you fumble it, bad, bad stuff happens. Well, I liked I wanted magic to be a little bit more accessible, but maybe not so unpredictable, but also more powerful and more dangerous at the same time. So I kind of split the system into two things. So there's in Pirate Borg, there are um, ancient artifacts and arcane rituals. Um, an, an ancient artifact is like uh, these are objects that you find in temples. You can start with one or two randomly, but you find them or they could be loot. Um, and when you try to use them, um, if, if you pass your skill check, oh, no, I'm sorry. When you try to use them, they always work. They're really simple. They're kind of like cantrips, uh, or level one spells. They go off and then you have to roll after the fact to see if you can use it again. And if you fumble, it gets destroyed. You break it in the process. So this is a thing that a, a character can use, a player can use to be like, Hey, I really want to use this magic thing. I know it's going to work. Maybe I can only use it this one time, but I still have it forever. You know, you pass it around to the party. Rituals, on the other hand, are like this super powerful, um, you know, kind of like I really went for a lot of like Lovecraft inspiration, you know, very like this is dangerous stuff. But there's, you know, like there's a spell that summons the ferryman and he like he comes to kill a creature, basically. And if you fail the role, he's going to kill one of the party instead, you know. Um, that magic, you have to roll before it happens. And if you fail at all, you roll on the magical mis the mystical mishaps table. So there's always going to be a consequence. And some of them are pretty, ba pretty bad. You know, one of them is like water fills your vision and you can't see very well anymore. But when you're underwater, you can see immaculately, you know, they've got all these like piratey twists to them. So. Besides the magic system, which seems like a lot of fun, I'm very excited to take a bigger look at that. What would you say is the biggest difference in terms of the mechanics from Mork Borg compared to this? Because obviously the themes are totally different. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there are two. One, um, I find I found that Mork Borg is a little hard to digest for people coming from a more of a traditional or a 5e background in that you know, like I ran a playtest in early Pirate Borg where my cleric analog, which is a zealot, he had one hit point and he started with a scroll, 
Um, and so he was in a situation where he couldn't use any of it. His only ability was this scroll that he started with. And if he cast it and failed, and he had a bad presence modifier. If he cast it and failed, he takes D2 damage and is confused. Well, that means he's dead, you know? So that means he, yes, he immediately has to use his um, omens to make sure that he passes the spell or to not die. And I, I find that to be like, that's maybe a little too far for me. So all of the classes in Pirate Borg have uh, more hit points. Like if it would have had a D6 in, in Morkborg, it's, you got a D8 in Pirate Borg. Um, also resting is a little bit more forgiving. I think it's, I think a long, you know, like an overnight rest is a D eight recovery instead of D six. Um, and then the biggest thing was every class in the game has like a, a D six starting ability, but then they have a different table, um, for how they get better. And those can either be upgrades to their original thing, or they can be additional, spells they might learn uh there, there's like a variety of things but basically there's a way there's like a track whether it's random or not for you to level up five or six times um and have your character grow a bit because I, I really want this to be a campaign system i want to do sandbox stuff where people can explore the caribbean dark caribbean if you will um so that's that's a pretty big difference from core morkborg um the second one is i've added a fifth skill be called spirit um, which uh, in Morkborg, you still use presence for ranged attacks, but I really found that because it's a gunpowder uh, you know, weapon heavy, ranged weapon heavy system or setting, that it's not really fun when you roll really well on your starting stats for your presence, or if you, like, if you don't roll well on that, then you're really limited what you can do. You can't cast magic, you can't shoot, all you can really do is go hit somebody with a sword. So I pulled it off to a different stat called Spirit, and that kind of represents your like ethereal connection to this kind of ancient magic that exists in the dark Caribbean. Uh, and I think that's worked out really well just because of how much presence gets used for range stuff. Um, and then the third thing I think that's, that's really different from Morkborg, not different, but supplemental is that I've kind of adapted this. Uh, I wrote this guide for five E called Limithron's guide to naval combat. Um, which was kind of like a OSR approach to running naval combat in a, in a 5e campaign. It's not like super crunchy. It's like you pick a captain, the captain decides what your actions are for the round, and then your players can do those actions. But it lets everybody like um, participate in naval combat. Well, I stripped that down even more to like total, I mean like beer and pretzels is the best way to describe it. Like if you're on a ship, there are like one of eight actions you can decide every turn. Everybody gets to do one. You can blow up other ships. Uh, so that, that that whole rule system, if you don't include wind, fits on two pages, two A5 pages. And you can teach it in like five five minutes. Um, and, you know, Morkborg is the perfect environment for that because if you've got a big fleet battle, you know, you've got, oh, the pirates are going to go take on the English outside Port Royal. You can give everybody, they can be their own captain of their own ship. And if their ship gets blown up, they can roll a new character or, or or just click the random generator that we've already got working uh, and have a new character ready to go during that combat. Uh, so that, that's kind of like the idea, you know, have it be like a really fun around the table or online kind of system that's punishable, but not in a way that like makes people sad they spent all that time on their character that just got blown up in a naval combat.
So you are working on some kind of character generator because that's something I really loved about Mork Borg is that it has a really great uh, character generator. If your character dies, you don't want to spend 10 minutes working on a new character. You can just generate one with a quick uh, click of a button. So you do have one in development. I ha- I had written one in Google Sheets. I'm, I've done a lot of really fun random generators in Google Sheets before. And I had written one in there and then like overlaid my character sheet on top of it and like playtesters could check it out and stuff. Um, but one of my patrons, Brett, hi, Brett, if you're listening, he's like he's like my dude on the server. He's always like helping me with ideas and stuff. He's a developer and he turned it into a I think it's a JavaScript app or something like that. So it's it's already ready to go. There's a link to it on my site, which is uh, limithron.com slash pirateborg. It's kind of a it's a beta version that that's on his site and but it the cool thing is it generates into the character sheet. So if you're playing on your phone or something, you can refresh it and just look at the fully populated character sheet um, or print it out, you know. So I think what we're going to do for convention season this year is just like run that generator and, you know, print 100 copies. So when people are like playing at cons, we just hand them a new sheet, you know. Yeah, that's pretty great. Something with Dungeons & Dragons that amazes me is that there's not really an official or there's not any official character generator online. It's just a couple fans made and that's it, and they're not even really that good. Borkborg is terrific, yeah. but this one sounds yeah, well, really good. Yeah, it's. I think the, the 5e stuff is like there's so many choices mm. and and I think when you do them randomly like often they don't make sense. Yeah. You know, like well why would you pick that if these are your stats that kind of thing. But like the the whole like philosophy behind Morkborg and Pirateborg is like the is different than that, you know. It's much more of a I mean, I really think that DM should let characters build, excuse me, let players build characters if they want. Like I I really clearly state like roll or choose during the character you know creation process um oh that's another thing i changed is in you know in, in core Morkborg, uh basically you can roll your stats 3d6 down the line or if it's i think if it's a what do they call it? if you don't have a class you can like roll 4d6 or two of them and drop the lowest or something like that and then the other classes have like specific setups for what dice you roll well, I got rid of that, and I went a little bit more classic D and D, or not classic for me, maybe not old school, but where you roll three d six down the line, and then you pick a class, and the class applies a plus two modifier to something, or or two plus ones, and then two negative modifiers. So, like, if you pick the sorcerer class, which is kind of the they could be the book learned wizard or the scientist or like the voodoo guy or whatever you however you choose to theme it. If you pick that class, you'll get an automatic plus two to spirit and then a minus one to, I think, toughness and strength. Um, so that, you know, just to, to kind of like re-nurture that character creation process a bit more. So, I, but I really think that if you're going to make, if you're going to play uh, uh, Pirate Borg and you're like, oh, well, I don't like the random part. Well, let your, par- let your players pick. If they want to play, you know, a, a buccaneer that's got the crack shot ability and they, you know, they're, um, troubling tale was that a family member is missing. Like, I don't see there's like, no, let them do it They're They might die anyway. So why not let them play that? You know, I don't think it can be overpowered, you know? Yeah. 
I'm really glad to hear how you have been developing this so that it can be a more of a campaign game. Because Morkborg, great. I love it how dark it is, um, and I love its art style, and I like how it's more punishing than Dungeons & Dragons, but sometimes it can be a little bit too punishing, and while character creation is way quicker than Dungeons & Dragons, Morkborg is so well written that it's so fun to make the characters that you do, even though they are made so quickly, you do feel bad for them when they die. Um, So I'm glad that you are making this into more of a campaign game and making it a little bit easier. Um, That's terrific. Was there any point during creation, because you've been talking about how you've been changing some things and everything I've been hearing sounds great. It works good for the setting theme that you're going for and making it your own thing without making it too, like, not Morkborg. Was there anything that you were developing that you had to maybe throw away because you were like, I can't do that because it'll go too far away from what Morkborg is about? I mean, I wouldn't say specifically like where I was like, oh, I'm leaving Morkborg too much. I mean, honestly, like I, I get to the point at the end, towards the end of my core development where I'm like, should I just like make this its own thing? Um, but I, lo- I mean, I love Morkborg. Like it really, you know, it, there's something about it that really hits home to me. And I, I think it really is mostly about how thick in theme it is. And, you know, I've heard Pella say on, on podcasts, like people say that it's really deadly, but like it's it's actually less deadly than BX because the whole omen thing, like if your players get two essentially get out of jail free cards combined with armor, like if you get your guy in good armor and get some omens, like he's way more survivable than a regular old BX character might be at level one, you know, Um so I don't I don't really think there was any oh so I guess just there was a point where I was like man I should just maybe just write my own RPG from scratch and I, it was just too daunting of a task and there were too many things I liked that I didn't want to leave that I think I would have had to leave to do it my own way um so I kind of I just tabled that you know uh, there was also a point like before I had really discovered Morkborg where I was thinking about writing a big five e book with all new classes. And the the idea of writing, you know, six new fully fleshed out up to level 20 pirate classes, just it just didn't sit right. Like, well, why why would they go to level 20? Like that's then you're not even playing in the dark Caribbean. I'm very glad that another thing you did versus uh, Morkborg is that you added uh, for each class their own specific uh, getting better skill. So for people Mm -hmm. that love Dungeons Dragons, that works very good because it's kind of going, I love this character. I love this class. I want to see them develop more within the class rather than just a random getting better table where you get some gold and a scroll and increase your hit points and that's it. So let's talk about the scenario that was in this because when I was reading it, I was like, I hope there is a cool adventure at the end of the book that is like (laughs) Morkborg. Morkborg has rot... Rot Black Sludge? Yes, that one, which is a very fun intro adventure, uh, very creative. Great adventure, yeah. Yeah. And you have, which is awesome, one of my favorite things is sandbox games and campaigns. And you got a little bit of a uh, a little mini campaign or sandbox adventure set in the world of pirates. So talk to us about it because I read it and it's fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, it's not even. I'm not even totally done. I'm done with the like core parts of it. Like, you, there's enough in there right now to run it, and I'm, I'm excited to finish the rest of the locations. Um, but this basically is a a sandbox island um, called Black Coral Bay, 
and it's a haunted island. I mean, this is very this is where the Monkey Island influence comes in. It's it's very much a haunted pirate island, and there is a dark castle on the other side of the island called Skeleton Point. It's uh, so the name of the adventure is the Curse of Skeleton Point, and you know I don't I don't want to give away the like big hooks, but um, or the big you know plot things, but basically you've got a haunted skeleton conquistador who lives in this castle. You've got your cl- classic kind of French English pompous governor. Uh, you've got a bunch of ragtag pirates. You've got a like uh, maybe misleading uh, witch type hag in the in the swamp. Um, and you've got the damsel in distress. But the adventure, as I'm sure you know, having read it, like really plays against these types. So if your players go in expecting stereotypes out of certain NPCs, they'll be sorely misled, which is great. Um, and I, I cannot go any further without giving a shout out to the Mothership team, because rather than going with the kind of like uh, dungeon crawl that you see in Morkborg, I was really, really influenced by Pound of Flesh and Dead Planet, these, these uh, you know, Mothership kind of sci-fi horror uh, zines. Because they they really are like a full environment for your for your players to stomp around. Um, so you'll see that the six NPCs are laid out, and it says who they are, what they seem to want, what they really want, and then a little table for each one to determine what they're doing. Just not even like you don't have to roll on those when you're at the table. Just more to be like, oh, this character might be over here, uh, like counting money, or he might be hiding in this room. Or, you know, like there's a it gives you a sense of what that character wants without actually telling you how they move around the island. You know, Um, the other cool thing about this adventure is when it's all said and done, there's going to be like six or seven uh, full spread locations, all of which you could use in anywhere. So if you don't run the adventure, but you need a really good jungle temple, well, we hit that stretch goal. So there's going to be a two page spread of the, you know probably like a fairly simple battle map with some very tropey Indiana Jones, uh, pirates of the Caribbean style, uh, you know, temple exploration stuff. Or if you need uh, an Island, um, the, the next big stretch goal we're up against is we're going to do a fourfold, um, like kind of hand drawn top down treasure map version of the Island with a bunch of points of interest on there that aren't in the book. So you can either do your own thing or you cannot play this adventure at all and just hand your players this treasure map and say, like, here's you find this on the dead body. Like, where do you want to go? You know, um, there's also a like full point crawl castle. Uh, that's kind of hopefully the apex of the adventure, um, but it's not a top down thing. It's kind of like, you know, you're in the foyer, you're in the left tower, you know. Um, and that, of course, I had to make it a bit more piratey, so I threw a a shipwrecked galleon on the top of one of the towers that it's got a three headed monkey living in it. And if you go in there and your players are stupid, it might tip over and fall. So there's just like a bunch of cool things that, that, you know, rather than saying, I mean, I think one of my goals with this project is really to help uh, like I did uh, help people find their way into the OSR or into a different way of playing role playing games. It's not like go here, read this text. If they, do this, go here and read this text. Like it's much more find your own way. And like, I'm not going to tell you what happens. Like what happens doesn't matter. Like it's really what happens like with your characters that matters. And if they find a different way to deal with it, 
you should reward that rather than I mean I I played so many five E I remember running Tube of Annihilation and being like, Oh, you meet this you meet this red wizard and she's well, hold on, I need to look what she's gonna do. Because I want to make sure that later in the adventure, I don't. If I say something that she did wrong, then when I when later when she's supposed to like come help with the thing, I'm in trouble. Like I want to avoid all that. Like if if they if they run into the big bad guy and they happen to like know something from his history and they convince him to be an ally, well then you like then you just change the whole course of the adventure without ruining anything that I've written. So that's kind of the idea behind the curse of Skeleton Point, if you will. What is next for you after this? Are you going to just be taking a break for a little bit? Do you have more Pirate Borg supplements you can be working on? Or do you have a whole different game um, schedule ahead of this? What is next for you, Luke? Um, this is, I mean, I, this is maybe obvious for me, but I, I, another thing I really took from the Mothership guys, Sean McCoy is always talking about, you know, if you just build one game and then move on to the next game, well, then you're not really building like a line and you're not really like... I mean, Mothership is almost free. I think you can get the PDF for free, but then the idea is that they're building this whole ecosystem. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I'm going for with Pirate Borg. We're going to do a third-party license, just like Morkborg. Basically, if you want to use naval combat or any of the ships or anything that any of the classes or whatever you want to do, go for it. Um, as far as my direct goals, we're going to get the book out. Uh, actually, I, there's a couple things I want to talk about. The first is some point during the campaign after after PDFs go out, we're going to start doing an online like West Marches style campaign um, where basically anybody who wants to can come into this world that we're going to track on Legend Keeper, which is an incredible website for world building. And it's basically going to be the Dark Caribbean on all the islands, like the things that are staples that I've said are there, like that are in the printed book. They'll be pinned like, OK, well, here's Port Royal and we know that exists and here's so and so. But I, I really like the idea that like, oh, players don't know what's what's on uh, Guadalupe, you know, let's go check it out. And when they do, the DMs will come in and log what those players found and then other groups can go there later. Like, I really like this idea of this like evolving ecosystem that everybody can play in, you know. Um, so that's uh, one of the near term projects. Um, the other the next big project is going to be the Dark Caribbean which is a uh, an actual source book, which this this project actually started as the Dark Caribbean, and I, I kind of left the Caribbean theme for a minute, and then we kind of brought it back in at the end because I think it just needed it. Um, but the Dark Caribbean is going to be a setting book with maps um, of every island, every major island in the Caribbean. Uh, it's, I, I think the closest analogy is if you've played the or seen the Dark of Hot Springs Island, it's going to be kind of like that where you've got or, or the Neverland 5e book. You've got all these rich locations and rich NPCs and and uh, kind of sophisticated weighted tables to tell you what is likely happening there and what happens there in rare circumstances. Uh, just like a rich world to play around with, you know. Um, but that book, I haven't even started it yet other than my own lore. So that's a long-term book. And I don't, I still don't know if it's going to be just for Pirate Borg, or if it's going to be system agnostic, or if it's going to have stats for one system and a zine for another, we'll figure all that out. Um, but, you know, I'm going to need a break after this because this is a crazy amount of work. So we may have, I may end up doing smaller zine style add-ons to this, um, especially considering how well it's doing so that people have stuff to play rather than it always being sandbox, you know. Um, but, I, you know, in addition to that, the Patreon is always still going. I, I try to do two to three maps a month. 
So I'm always doing like shipwrecks and I did a nautiloid, lots of drawing. So I keep busy. For the Kickstarter, which again, congratulations on how well it's doing Thank right you. now. Where, so you probably see on the Kickstarter, but when do you think the PDF is going to be sent out? And when do you think the actual uh, hardback book is going to be out or softcover? So, so um, my goal for the PDF is I want to send, I, I think that the process is going to be the Kickstarter ends and then we open up the pledge manager and the pledge manager, you know, you can go in there to add extra copies or whatever. Um, all the, retailers who have signed up for the book that's where they get the chance to put their real orders in and i think we need to leave that open for like a month just to get the real numbers maybe only a few weeks i'm not exactly sure but while that's open um i'll hopefully have the the beta version of the pdf ready to go out and my idea is during that month of waiting for all our final numbers to get calculated so we know how many books to print uh, people can play test and have fun and dig in and, you know, hopefully find any, any, you know, like a lot of this stuff has not been like super tested. Like, I think there's going to be some spells that people like cast and are like, dude, that was crazy. And I want some of that, but we, you know, there's a couple where it's like, well, what happens if this happens twice? Like, and so the, it'll be cool to catch those things before we go to print. Um, and then I'm, our, our estimates are October for in copies uh, in-person copies um but like it's a crazy time right now there's a paper shortage and my printer is in lithuania which is two countries away from the your ukraine thing so like i you know you kind of have to like just hope for the best um but the idea we're not gonna wait like the Morkboard guys waited to send the pdf till you have the book which i really respect but this is going to be a bit more of a like uh, let, let's all play as soon as possible. Um, just kind of need to make sure wait for the campaign to finish and for me to finish the um, finish the extra spreads and the stretch goals. So yeah, so thank you very much for talking to me about this, Luke. Uh, I'm very excited for some pirate Borg that's coming up very soon. So besides the GoFundMe, which will be in a link in the description below of our podcast. But if you just type Pirate Borg, I'm sure you'll find it very quickly. Where else can people yes. find you? You mentioned a Patreon in your own website. Yeah, I mean, Limithron.com. Um, Limithron is my, like, Tolkien Sindarin word for light wizard. Um, that's that's the hub. If you want to become a patron, you can get some access to some maps and stuff, get links to Pirate Borg. But there's also links to, you know... Uh, a lot of people will come in and just buy single maps, like, for example, the Nautiloid map. A lot of people just buy that as a one-off because they're not running pirate stuff, you know. But that's the hub. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, there's a Patreon link on there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. If you want to reach me, I'm always on my Discord channel. Um, and hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, you know, the normal things. Good stuff, good stuff. And, yeah, thanks for coming on and talking to me. And, yeah, for everyone, thanks, I'll put the links below. Me. Yeah, Thank you for talking. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening to this beer and pretzel podcast episode. And if you enjoyed this, there's a bunch of Morkborg related stuff coming up, including pirate Borg. Uh, when you're at a place that you think that the sandbox adventure is complete, we'll run it on our podcast. Cause I'm very excited for that. I might have to workshop it a little bit so that it fits like within a, well, one shot podcast, but in yeah, a I actually have, I actually enough done to do that and i have a guideline in the book for running a one shot 
Um, just if your players start traveling to other locations, then you those aren't done yet. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah. So Pirate Borg will be coming up very soon for actual play. So if people are excited to see Becky, Travis, uh, myself, and Brad playing it, that'll come up relatively soon. Hopefully before the Kickstarter ends. And when Cyborg comes out. Whenever that comes out fairly soon, I think we'll be playing that game and we're actually be diving into actual Mork Borg very soon. So a lot of exciting stuff for our podcast, but also in the world of Mork Borg, which I'm so excited. I'm happy that Mork Borg has such a great community that pretty much anytime someone puts up a Kickstarter, everyone jumps right in because they're so excited for this world and all the terrific art that goes out there with it which is great. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening and we'll hear from you next time on the beer and pretzel podcast.